Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Tigers in 20. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. Brooks, we're coming off a massive weekend. Memphis basketball got their first win of the season, but there's no place to start other than Saturday night. What was I, I know you weren't there and, and you didn't experience it and everything, but what was it like for you to see this for Memphis game day and get the big win on Saturday night? It was actually really kind of interesting to watch it on TV, watch the entire day play out from start to finish with game day in the morning. And it even started before game day, you know, the teasers of the crowd, the teasers of the game day crew on Bill Street started in the early morning. Um, I actually got up around 545 on Saturday morning and turned on ESPN and watched it from about 545 until after game day went off. And so it was extremely exciting just from the outside looking in. So I tried to put myself in the perspective of the people around me that that know that I cover Memphis, that I'm from Memphis, uh, the people that maybe around the country aren't that familiar. And I think it was a tremendous uh, magnifying glass on the city and the program. So it was it was really exciting, and I think that it, it you know showed a very very good representation of what Memphis has going on right now. Oh, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, me and Kenny got down there around seven thirty, eight o'clock, and it was absolutely insane. I expected a great turnout just because I feel like when Memphis has anything, when Memphis has any special events, everybody tends to turn out. So I did expect there to be a lot of people, but it even blew my expectations out of the water. I mean, Bill Street was lined all the way down with people. Uh, people really didn't stop screaming for three hours. It was an absolutely incredible environment. Um, I think, like you said, Brooks, it was a great representation of the city and how they feel about, you know, Memphis football and sports in general. And it was just a celebration. I mean, that Gabe Kuhn actually said this last week on Go Tigers 247 Film Room that it would be a celebration. And it absolutely was. Uh, you had Penny Hardaway, Mike Norvell. Uh, the spotlight was really on the program. The Kenny Gamewell feature was absolutely incredible by Tom Rinaldi and the ESPN crew. What a great story that was. I think that was a, a great piece to add in there. And then you get to Saturday night, and it was just, it, it was even, uh, to me, I know game day was the big deal, but the game atmosphere was even more incredible than that. I think we got there four hours before kickoff. Uh, the Tiger Walk was ridiculous. I mean, usually the Tiger Walk is full of energy and, and, a, and a good thing to start, to kind of start the football day off, but I've never seen one like that. It was lined all the way through the gates it was absolutely incredible and then we're sit, you know we we go down on the field before the game and, and watch warm-ups and everything and there's four or five of us in the media standing there and we're looking in the stands and they're filling up as the 90 minute clock starts which there's never anybody there an hour and a half before the game and there's thousands of people in here at this point and I'm just uh, the whole time I just kept looking around going oh my god this is this is crazy and then like 40 minutes I think it was about four, 30 or 40 minutes before kickoff the away side was full all the way to the top of the bowl, which is crazy. And then finally getting the press box before the game. 
and it looked incredible. But then, then I start seeing these overhead shots come out, and I was just man, I was blown away um, by the overhead shots, by how full the stadium was. I mean, they broke the conference record for attendance. So overall, you know, the lead up to the game was was absolutely uh, amazing. It was a great environment. It was electric. You know, from five o'clock in the morning until. 11 10 30 11 o'clock at night when the game wrapped up so just just an incredible experience and i think memphis showed up and showed out most of the capacity or near capacity crowds that memphis sees with the liberty bowl are typically the games involving sec opponents so historically right Ole miss the tennessee games back in the past those the are the games game a few years ago. Yeah, so and and many of those teams travel extremely well. So when you're at capacity, you're at like you know 60, 40, 70, 30 on Memphis versus away fans. And this was I mean 95% Memphis fans, you think? I mean maybe maybe even more, honestly. Like I I heard a couple people, I don't know how how accurate this was, but a couple people said that SMU only sold a thousand to fifteen hundred tickets, which I mean, it's it's it was absolutely insane. There's never been a strictly Memphis crowd like that. Yeah, so to see such a high percentage of that sellout crowd be Memphis fans is pretty spectacular to have that many in one place at one time. And here's what I would say: I, you know, I plan on writing something about this uh, before the Cincinnati game, but you know. It, to me, I think what Norvell has done, continuing what Fuente did and built on that success and that momentum, I think what Memphis has going on, I think what Saturday showed is that this team, that this program, that this that this coaching staff, that they deserve that type of commitment from the fans regardless of whether game day is in town or regardless of whether um, – the ABC primetime slot is given to Memphis. They deserve that. And it, you know what? It becomes extremely damn fun when you commit as a fan to packing that place out. Yeah, can you imagine how how much fun Memphis tailgating, how how much the Tiger Walk, how much fun all of that would be if they had fifty to sixty thousand people every game? Oh yeah, I mean we got a glimpse of it on Saturday, and if it was like that every week, I mean it's just it, it it's a complete program changer when when like you said fans buy in, and it becomes like that because there is just a different type of electricity that surrounds a program when fans buy in, when everybody's there, when everybody shows up, and when everybody really just goes nuts for the whole time. So Brooks, we've talked a ton about the lead up to the game, but. There actually was a game there on was Saturday a game. night. <laughs> there was a game, and it was it was a hell of a football game. It was a back Man. and forth, uh, kind of the slugfest that we thought it was going to be. Offensive attacks, and um, I know these two people that have that have talked about Brady White for for a minute now, and um, he had a hell of a game on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I I think I know one of them, and I look at him in the mirror every day. Uh, so <laughs> at least every other day. Yeah, I mean, Brady White has kind of become the the drum that I've beaten over the last two months. And I'm all about Brady White as Memphis's quarterback. And Saturday, yet again, showed why. I mean, he, he had a tremendous game. 
had probably the best throws I've ever seen from him in this game on multiple occasions. He had three or four throws that um, Brady White of last year is not making. Even Brady White from earlier in this season I don't think is making. Uh, ended up 19 of 33, 19 of 30. Was it 19 of 33? Something around there. Yeah, 19 of 33, 350 yards, three touchdowns, just spectacular game. And, you know, had his full offensive arsenal going. Uh, just tremendous game from Brady White. So kudos to him. Yeah, there's so many throws that I can point to from this game, uh, from, you know, from watching it live and then going back and rewatching the film. Uh, just, a, just a couple. Broadly, the back shoulder throws were incredible. It's something I think he's added to his arsenal more this year. And he hit Joey Magnifico a couple of times. I think him and DeMonte Coxie had four or five back shoulder uh, hookups, and they were all you know perfect placement. And that's all about – back shoulder throws are all about timing uh, and trusting your receiver, especially when they're in one-on-one coverage. And I think that's something that's come with time for Brady because he has started to develop – or not started to develop, but does have so much chemistry now with, with some of the guys. Um, and a couple of other throws, when you look, uh, they were backed up inside their own territory – I believe it was third and seven. Brady White made a made a throw to Antonio Gibson on a on kind of a deep out or a stick route. Went right over the linebacker. Somehow, somehow got it over his outstretched arm perfectly in Antonio Gibson's hands. Uh, the fourth and three conversion uh, where he threw it to Calvin Austin, put it in the spot where only Calvin Austin could get it on a bit of a skinny post pattern. So there were so many throws you can point to from this game from Brady White that says, okay, he has taken a step uh, and become a different player. But I, I spoke about Antonio Gibson just a second ago, and he's absolutely been incredible over the past few weeks, especially the more and more he gets involved, the more special plays he makes. 97 rushing yards and a touchdown, 130 receiving yards, touchdown, 97-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. It, it just You don't see stat lines like that. He, he had the 97-yard return, also had 159 total return yards during the game. Antonio is somebody that I've seen – the ability from for a long time. First time I ever saw him practice in Memphis, I knew he had special ability because of his size and his speed. He's finally put that together, and he is straight-up playmaker. He just makes plays. When Memphis needs a big play, Antonio Gibson typically makes it. There's been multiple third and longs over the past couple weeks where Antonio Gibson's been willing to go over the middle. Brady White's put it on him, and he's went and gotten it. Um, That run that he had was absolutely insane. Uh, the kickoff return was very well blocked, and I, I think the best part about it is when you go listen to Chris Fowler's calls on it because they are awesome. I mean, for especially for Memphis fans who have never really gotten to experience this with the prime time with the A crew, Chris Fowler's calls will give you goosebumps. And Antonio Gibson had a massive day. Number one is back deep, and he will get a chance on the hop from the four. Is knocked down as the Tigers special teams come flying down. Nehemiah Augustus Kirk with the hit. Play action on first down. Pump fake. White's going to take a shot downfield. It's Gibson. He's got it. And Memphis reclaims the lead. To the one. Gibson. Has a crease. And Gibson. Can he meet the kicker? Yes, he can. Antonio Gibson all the way home. Gibson takes the handoff, spins free, makes a man miss, look out, he's electric, 
down the sidelines. Can they catch him? Gibson's gone again. Come on. Yeah, just to rewind real quick uh, before we played that clip, you, you were speaking on Antonio Gibson, and and I just want to point out one: Antonio Gibson is the epitome of what you hear this Memphis staff talk about when they say this is an offense for playmakers. It's you know they, they, that's what they look for is just guys that go out and make plays. Antonio Gibson is the guy that you've got to find a way to get the ball in space, and just let him go make plays. Um, and I, I think he only gets better as the year goes on. I think you're going to continue to see him explode the rest of the way. Um, you know, they're really starting to develop some really consistent offensive weapons. When uh, Pop went out in that South um, – what was it? South Alabama game. South Alabama, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the guy that we pointed to and said, you know, I think you you maybe thought that they would put Kylan Watkins back there for returning kicks, but uh, I think I said Antonio Gibson just because he he fits that role. He's just the guy that goes out there and gets yards somehow, and that run on Saturday night was the perfect example of that. So. Um, Overall, I don't. I don't think it was a like a tremendous night for the defense. It was a decent night. They they made stops when they had to. Um, they gave up big plays, but that's what SMU is known for. Um, so again, you know, survive and move on. Memphis now has to kind of get get back together defensively. Get prepared to head on the road. Two straight games, Houston and USF. So um, you know that. Again, for Memphis to be in control of their own destiny now at eight and one, to have control over their division of the American Athletic Conference, and be positioned to have a chance to play at home in the conference championship game, absurd, amazing. Yeah, I mean it absolutely is, and and when you think about what's ahead. Like you said, they have to go take care of business on the road in those two games. I think that Houston game is going to be very challenging. I think the bye week comes at a perfect time because I, I honestly do think if they have to go to Houston this weekend, I think they lose that game. But I think with them able to take the week off, kind of reflect on everything, let everything sink in, and then move on, I think this is the perfect time for a bye week because that's, I mean, it's emotional. When you come off of that spotlight, when you come off of that win, you need a second. To, to be able to turn around and play another football game. So I think that – Man, I, I felt hungover. <laughs> like, I, now I wasn't drunk. Like, I, I felt hungover from just, like, an excitement, you know, just kind of really amped up for the day. And let's not forget, how brutal was it to, to have an all-day thing with game day, Bill Street, you know, all of that stuff for you guys, going to the Liberty Bowl, riding all afternoon – then the game, and then you got daylight savings times. God, that was the yeah. I mean, it was it, losing. It, it was like, a hell of a weekend. <laughs> so if we, you know, if we were feeling that way after the game, I can't even imagine how the players and the coaching staff felt because that was a ton of buildup. Like you know that none of them slept well on Friday night. They were all amped up, ready to go. So I do think it's perfect time. Two road games, huge, huge home game against Cincinnati. Um, I, I really do expect that to be another big crowd because 
every if if they win those two, yeah, it better be. It better <laughs> if be. they win those two road games, then everything's in front of them. They win that game. Uh, they're AAC West champions. They turn around and play in the conference championship. And then you, I mean, you don't want to look too far ahead, but this is where Cotton Bowl bids. This is where New Year Six bids come from because if you can, tra- my head will explode. <laughs> yeah, if we thought this weekend was big. If they go to a New Year Six bowl, that's absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, just to wrap up on the football stuff, kind of like you said uh, with the defense, they weren't perfect. They didn't have a great game. But if you look at Shane Bouchelle, he is a hell of a quarterback. Like going back, stud. going back and rewatching the film, he has a cannon for an arm. Like on those slant patterns, I feel like Chris Claybrooks and TJ Carter had so many opportunities to jump them, but Shane Bouchelle's arm was so strong that they didn't have time to get there. So it's not like they they didn't allow forty one points to Tulsa again. The the sky's not falling at this point. They played a very good offense. James Prochet is an NFL receiver, no doubt in my mind. He, he he's playing on Sunday, yeah, for sure. He, and Rasheed Rice for a freshman at six one with this speed, man, that kid can play absolutely. So they they did play a very good offense. The run defense was awesome. I think that's kind of gotten lost because um, Xavier Jones is a good running back. So until that last run. Uh, that I don't even think it was Xavier Jones. I think it was Kamont Freeman, I believe his name was, the backup running back, when he absolutely bulldozed Laundre Thomas for the long run. Other than that, Memphis's run defense played very well. Special teams were great again, which has you know, been a big emphasis for this team. And the the guy that we have left out that I want to just hit on real quick is Demonte Coxey. Uh, he's been amazing. Uh, he mm, made man, he was good. multiple great – that one hand grab down the sideline was incredible. Uh, his awareness – to catch that that deep in and cut out and score the touchdown was very reminiscent of the Navy game when he scored uh, late. I believe it was late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. So overall, offense was incredible. They sold out to stop Kenny Gainwell. This offense was electric, even without Kenny Gainwell making a ton of big plays. And I think that says a lot about Brady White and where this offense has come this year. Even when Kenny Gainwell isn't able to have you know 100 plus rushing yards in a, in a big game they can still make plays and go put up 50-plus points and win a football game, and I think that's huge. Well, a lot of the details that you're talking about, for those that don't know, that are, have been, you know, had their head in the sand or living under a rock, every week we do something called uh, Go Tigers 247's Film Room. Christian Fowler, Gabe Kuhn, former Memphis offensive lineman, get together, break down the film, of the previous week's game. I think we're going to actually wait and publish it a little bit later this time, but all of this stuff you're talking about, uh, the the back shoulder throw to Coxie where he takes it and turns it to the outside and scores a touchdown, that's the kind of stuff that's broken down on film so that you, the fan, become smarter and better at seeing what you're uh, – knowing what you're seeing on the field as it happens. It's helped me. Uh, I, I have never been a football guy, always been self-professed pretty much solely basketball, uh, but I'm becoming a better fan. I'm becoming a better uh, analyst. I'm, I'm getting better at seeing what I should in this position. So if you have not checked it out, go check it out. Go Tigers247.com. Yeah, and this this week's episode is going to be the funnest one yet, so definitely keep an eye out for it. Uh, as we've mentioned, the game was awesome and the film is awesome. I've already went back and rewatched it, so stay tuned for that. But Brooks, Memphis basketball started this week and got their first win of the season. James Wiseman made his debut. We'll hear a word from our sponsors, then we'll come back and touch on Memphis basketball.
All right, Brooks. So as I mentioned before the break, Memphis basketball tipped off the season on Tuesday night against South Carolina State, came away with a 97-64 victory. James Wiseman made his debut, 28 points, 11 rebounds in 22 minutes, uh, really dominated. Nobody on South Carolina State's team had an answer for him. Overall, Brooks, takeaways, I know it's not a, I know it's not a quality opponent, but a good way to start. What did you think about the game? Is James Wiseman healthy? Is he eligible? I think he's eligible, and I think the ankle is maybe okay. I, I, yeah, I, I think maybe 11 of 14 from the field, his ankle's doing okay. Uh, and I guess Memphis is willing to forfeit that game since he's questionably eligible. I don't know. I'm, yeah, sarcasm. James Wiseman is a monster. Uh, you know, and, and let's just call it what it is. The 2019 class, a lot of people were down on it, but you look at the top, and and we haven't even seen some of the best guys up there with James, Cole, uh, Anthony Edwards. Those guys are already, from the jump, having tremendous freshman seasons at their respective colleges. You know, James Wiseman, at halftime, had 20-8. and eight. 20 points and 8 rebounds at half. He played 22 minutes and scored 28 points and had 11 rebounds. Could have he easily was, had about 40 and 15 last night. Man. And, and and yes, it is South Carolina State. But the reality is, one, this was his exhibition game. He's been off the court in terms of real game environment. You could tell that he was getting a little bit winded. He was running the court extremely hard. They took him out a couple times when you could tell it was like, what, what what are you doing? He's just getting going. But you could tell he needed a little breather. Um, so, I man, and here's what I'll say. Oregon is not a big team. A lot of people are like, man, I want to see what he does against a real front line. Oregon's not big. You know, they, they don't have any guys over 6'8 right now. With, and no uh, one followed Dante. Yeah, exactly. So... I would not be shocked if James Wiseman had another massive performance next week against Oregon. If Memphis, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but if Memphis can can keep the reins on Pritchard, they win that game by double digits. So I'll just say Memphis looked great last night, and even some of the guys that I expected more from, I do not expect them to continue playing the way they did last night, I think. Lester Quinones was was good. He was not great. Uh, his first half was rough defensively, communication-wise. You could tell he wasn't communicating and talking. He didn't shoot the ball extremely well to start. He was 0 for 3 from, from deep on the game. But you could tell he, he became more comfortable once the game progressed. In the second half, he started driving the ball, uh, was extremely efficient uh, in terms of the plus-minus, actually led the team. And Boogie Ellis was also not great. So to win by 33, to pretty much dominate that entire game, and to have two of your starters not play that great, I think you're doing something right. You know, DJ Jeffries even, he he only played 22 minutes, had a great game, but you look at the box score and it doesn't show. I don't think his his stat line tells the full story of his impact on the game. He came in. And was really good. But he only finished with five points, four rebounds, and four assists. And four blocks. 
So we did a lot of everything, but not anything spectacular. I think you make an incredible point because Memphis wins by 33. James Wiseman has an incredible debut. But to kind of expound on on the point you were making, James didn't do anything outside the paint, which he is very capable of. He has a great mid-range stroke, can shoot the three, has a ton of post moves that we didn't even see last night because they were just dunks. Um, The offense clearly was going to go through him last night with the size advantage. South Carolina State had no, no chance at guarding him. So when you think about, like you said, Lester, Lester's going to come on at some point and shoot better. He really didn't find a stroke till the second half. Boogie's going to play better. He really didn't get comfortable until the second half either. These guys have to gain more confidence, and when they do, what does this team look like? Also, Precious Achiwa didn't play much in the first half, got into a little bit of foul trouble, did most of his damage after James Wiseman left the court. What does he look like when when him and James get fully that when they get their games fully rounded out together, when they learn how to play together. Um, like you mentioned with DJ, when DJ starts shooting the ball, this team's going to become even more dangerous. Uh, so there's so many factors to look at. And Memphis did look good last night, obviously, but there is still so much growth, which I think is a, a huge positive because you came out and you beat a team by 33 points and the majority of your players didn't even get to shoot that much. You know, I mean, they have two players – in double figures in James Wiseman and Precious Achiwa, and they have multiple guys that can score 20-plus points a night that really haven't found a stroke yet or haven't gotten comfortable yet or don't have a ton of confidence yet. So I think looking forward, uh, even to Friday, I think getting this first game under their belt, they you know the majority of their players are making their collegiate debut after only playing in the Bahamas in exhibition games. It was James Wiseman's first game after not playing in either of those. Uh, so there's still so much growth, which is which is great for this team. And and when you look at what they have, you can you can kind of see where the help is going to come from. Like we mentioned with Lester and Boogie and DJ. So there's there's so much potential for this team, and it's going to be interesting throughout the season to watch how they continue to grow and how they continue to attack teams with with how many with how much diversity and how much versatility they have all over the floor. Yeah, one of the things you just said was. Once James and Precious get used to fully playing together, and that's a hundred percent of what I saw from Precious last night. That you know, for the first two exhibition games, he was being asked to play the four and the five, not opposite James. So he was he was playing in a position and and being asked to do things that didn't necessarily fit what he's going to do when Wiseman's on the floor. And once he got out there with James, it was like things were a little bit off. It took him a minute to figure out, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be? How do I make my reads with James here now? How do I create space for James when he flashes to the bucket? How do I, you know, what do I do here? Um, But the thing that I saw from Precious that just, man, his potential when he gets a defensive rebound, snatches it off the rim, and takes off running the opposite direction and initiates the break and the offense from that offense uh, from that defensive rebound. This team is extremely dangerous when he, he when he figures out exactly how to make those plays, because there are a couple times where he got himself in trouble. But man, when he gets that down. This team is going to be a lot of trouble uh, because he is so – I mean, he's so long. He runs like a gazelle, 
gets down the floor so fast and to be 6'9 and push it the way he does, um, they're going to create a lot of fast break points just from that alone. Yeah, and it's scary to think about because they're the potential for those two in the front court with with the way that they play and with the athleticism athleticism that they have and the ability to run the floor, it really is scary to think about. But two guys we haven't even touched on that played great last night in the backcourt, Damian Ball, eight points, eight assists. Alex Lomax, I believe he had eight points as well and was really, really great on the defensive end, which is what, what we've come to expect of him, uh, causing turnovers. I think he really gave the defense a spark because they were not playing well early in the game. He came in. Uh, kind of set the tone, started forcing turnovers and, and getting easy baskets on the offensive end. So I think those two guys are are definitely big keys. Uh, Damian Ball knocked down two threes last night, and that's something that we've talked about, you know, him working on rounding out his game because that's kind of always been the knock on him, that he's going to play hard, he's going to play great defense, he's going to be a floor general, but he can't really shoot the ball. And so for him to come out in his first game and knock down two threes, I think it's a very good sign. And Hopefully it's a sign of what to come because if he can start knocking down shots as well and you add another uh, dynamic from that three-point level, not that he's the level of shooter as Lester Quinones or Boogie Ellis, but if he even has that threat of knocking down deep shots, then I think he uh, you know, he opens everything up for himself even more because teams aren't going to know how to defend him and the backcourt if they can all shoot and then they have James and Precious down low. So uh, we've, been, we've been beating that drum on Damian Ball for a while. Uh, just about his potential. I think he showed some of it last night. Uh, and even even after the game, Penny said he didn't play him enough. He said he got caught in the flow of the game and, and Damian should have had more minutes. So I think that's just a sign of what's to come for him and, and this backcourt as well because the front court's going to get all the love and all the praise because of the two players that play there. But the backcourt played, played well last night as well. Yeah, so to your point, Alex Lomax will be the big brother to Boogie Ellis. He's going to be the guy that shows shows him how you do things the right way if you want to stay on the floor. When Boogie Ellis slacks on D, when he doesn't communicate, when he's not given 100%, he gets taken out of the game and Alo comes in and gives 100%, communicates, he's that floor general, you know, dives on the floor, gets steals, is in the right place, doesn't, uh, doesn't you know, close it, doesn't miss closeouts, doesn't properly uh, hedge on uh, screens. When when he comes in and does that, he's, he's showing Boogie Ellis, if you want to play the minutes that you think you deserve, you got to do this stuff. That's what Alex Lomax is to this team. And the fact that he's willing to accept that role and come in and just do it is a tremendous asset for Penny Hardaway. Yeah, and he's... Lance Thomas was really good. Lance Thomas, I, I was down. I, I think I said preseason he'll play ten to fifteen minutes, spot minutes throughout the year. I think you got to find ways to get Lance Thomas more minutes. After seeing him, he's long. It's a force on defense. He's active. Yeah, he blocks shots. He's a great complement to Wiseman. Uh, he's great in initial defensive attack in the paint. And gives James the opportunity to, to to be there in help side, and and second chance defensive opportunities. Where last night you saw Lance block the initial shot attempt, the ball bounced right back to South Carolina State, tried to put it right back up, and James came from the weak side and blocked the the second shot. I think that's going to be a common theme when they're in the game together. So. 
Yeah, like you said, there are a lot of unheralded guys, a lot of guys that are showing that they deserve time. It's just a matter of figuring out how do you do that effectively. All right, Christian, so that's the extent of the game from last night. The one thing we did not hit on is that Chris Moore, class of 2020 uh, forward, that is on the verge of a decision between Memphis, Arkansas, and Auburn, uh, in case you missed it, you may or may not have seen it. I actually put in my crystal ball on, on Chris Moore uh, earlier in the week. Um, so if you have not seen it, head on over to Go Tigers 247. Click on the basketball recruiting drop down. Click on targets. You'll find it there. I'm not going to ruin the surprise here on the podcast. you got to go to the site and check it out. But the other recruit that was there is five-star uh, center from Lausanne School, Musa Cisse. I mean, these two guys have been regulars at Memphis games so far. That both exhibitions, the uh, opening game on what was it Monday night? Uh, I've lost complete complete track of my days um, after daylight saving time. So Tuesday night, yeah. So those guys, lots of recruiting stuff going on right now. We're right, uh, we're a week and a half away from the early signing period. So lots going on. If you have not signed up for VIP, now's a great time because guess what? If if you didn't see it, CBS All Access at $100 value now comes free with your VIP membership on GoTigers247. So head on over to the site, check it out. We would love to have you get a free seven-day trial. We're going to record the VIP podcast right after this, and I'm going to do my weekly Tiger Ham tidbits up on the site later this week. So Again, a lot going on, a lot of info coming your way. Christian, I've got nothing else. You got anything? Last two things before we get out of here. As you mentioned, the VIP podcast, Brooks and I, this is this will be our third episode this week. I think both of us have really, really enjoyed doing it. Uh, it's it's fun to do for our VIP subscribers, and and it's it's different than this. I mean, if, if you want to figure it out, obviously you're going to have to subscribe, but it's a little bit more laid back, a little bit more free flowing. It's a ton of fun. Uh, we can basically say what we want to. So uh, if you uh, haven't checked that out yet, subscribe. Check out the VIP podcast. Also, uh, Go Tigers 247's film room will be coming out later this week. SMU game. Brooks and I both hit on it a couple times, but it's going to be a hell of a fun episode. So make sure to check that out as well. All right, Christian. I think you got nothing else. I got nothing else. You want to say it? That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 